Hello and welcome in to the latest episode of the NABC Academy webinar series. I'm Eric Weberg from the NABC office here in Kansas City, and we're really excited to have you joining us today. And before I introduce today's guest, uh, I just want to remind our viewers that you're free to send in, and we welcome questions to be sent in that we can read live here on the webinar. You can tweet any questions you have for our guest uh, today via our Twitter account. You can tweet us at our handle NABC1927 or by using the hashtag NABC Academy. And today's topic is one that's really grown in prominence over the last decade in the game of basketball. Uh, I'm, I'm really confident that virtually every coach at every level has spent at least some amount of time considering data and analytics and how they could potentially impact the program. Uh, but at the same time, analytics can be, to some of us, difficult to understand. It can even be intimidating for some of us. And others also can feel at times that relying on data and analytics can take away from the instinctual personal aspects of coaching that uh, that coaches love. So that topic, analytics, is what we're going to spend our time discussing here on today's webinar. And uh, with that, I'm, uh, excuse me, I'm honored to introduce today's NABC Academy webinar guest. He's Michigan State Athletic Assistant Athletic Director and founder of KPI Sports, Kevin Palga. Uh, Kevin, welcome to today's webinar. Good to be with you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Kevin has held a variety of positions in his career that kind of have a unique intersect between coaching and analytics. Uh, so, Kevin, again, thanks for joining us. And if you could just begin by giving us some of your personal background, what you've done in your career and uh, what you're doing today. Yeah, I've, I've kind of been accused over the years of being able to speak coach and speak uh, speak numbers kind of in the, in the same vein, which is kind of a rare um, combination in a way, but uh, but I kind of got my start when I when I was young. Um, I coached a little league team for a couple of years um, in suburban Chicago, and uh, and did a lot of statistical work at uh, at my high school, Hinsdale Central High School, with uh, with the different level of basketball teams. And uh, and I kind of knew as as I moved on to to college that I wanted to be involved in in sports and and be involved on the on the basketball side certainly. So. Um, I came to Michigan State in the fall of 2000. Spent uh, four years working, working with the basketball program, working with Coach Izzo and uh, and his staff as a student basketball manager for for those four years, and and then was fortunate to to kind of move into a video coordinator role. Our video coordinator left for for the San Antonio Spurs that uh, that summer of 2004. A little bit of right place, right time, and um, and I'd been in the video room for, for a couple of years and, uh, and was able to kind of move into that role. So, um, moved into, into video as, as we were using Exos technologies here at Michigan state. And, um, it was just kind of the advent of the transition from, from VHS to, to DVD. And, um, we were certainly digitized in, in many ways, but, uh, but the video wasn't quite as portable at that point as it is today. So, um, spent four years as the, as the video coordinator. Moved on to the Big Ten Conference as a as a data analyst for for a year, um, and then uh, and then had the opportunity to come back to Michigan State first as the director of basketball operations for Coach Izzo for six years, and and now I've uh, I've just kind of finished up my second year in an assistant AD role, and uh, and loving every minute of uh, all the opportunity I've gotten here at MSU. So I uh, so so that's kind of kind of the, the Michigan State side, but uh, along the way and kind of dating back to to my days as a as a student. I had uh, um, kind of on a whim written what uh, what was kind of the the basic principles behind uh, what is now the KPI, and um, it was originally intended as, um, admittedly, my initials being KP, and 
um, the RPI and kind of a pun. And, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure that I uh, would have necessarily named it KPI if, uh, if I was naming it today. But, but the, the general concepts there is to, to kind of quantify a team's resume on a game-by-game basis by, by assigning values based on, on what the actual value of any given win or loss is based on where the game's being played, based on the quality of the opponent, and, and kind of dig into to what the meaning of that data is. I kind of compare it um, to being the, the third grader that, uh, that you'd, you'd just write down the answer to the math problem. And your teacher would get ticked off that, uh, that you wouldn't quite have the, the work to support it and would want to kind of see the process. Um, KPI kind of goes into that process where it can show a team's resume from, from best win to, to worst loss and can kind of give that value to, to let a coach, let an administrator know, hey, these are, these are the values that you're getting out of these wins and losses in terms of uh, overall resume. All right. Well, that's great, Kevin. Thanks for sharing your background. Uh, I, I think you're you're one of the few that can speak with confidence and knowledge in the world of coaching, and also can speak with confidence and knowledge in the area of analytics. So, uh, so so getting right into it, just the word itself, analytics. What exactly, from a coaching perspective and a basketball perspective, do we mean when we say analytics? With with the term analytics, you're you're really looking to try to find patterns, is what you're trying to do, and then. Um, with those patterns, you're trying to interpret what they mean along the way. You're trying to to locate them first, and then and then translate them into a way where you're kind of kind of taking them from from numbers into to kind of a practical um, explanation and experience. So um, you're trying to find those trend lines um, in the game of basketball. Certainly, I mean, at, at the end of the day, the team that scores more wins. I mean, it sounds it sounds simple, but but how how do you go about scoring more? Well. You get more shots. How do you get more shots? You're decreasing turnovers. You're increasing field goal attempts. Those those type of things uh, along the way. So in terms of analytics, you're trying to locate those patterns not only within the game that you're that you're playing, but also in terms of how your team is performing, uh, kind of along those patterns. Okay. Who uh, in the coaching world specifically, whether pro, collegiate, internationally, who do you look at as some of the the modern pioneers uh, in the analytics world? Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's there's a lot of different ways to to go in terms of pioneers. I know I know that that uh, Ken Pomeroy's work has certainly become very popular at the at the Division One men's basketball level. Um, Jeff Sagarin, who who I had the chance to to meet a, a year or two ago, is uh, um, his work dates back 20, 30, 40 years even. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of what he's been able to to bring to the table, I think that there's a lot of variance from from coaches at, at all sorts of different levels in terms of uh, in terms of where they're at in terms of an- analytics. I know here Coach Izzo still likes to to go by feel a lot. Um, translating over into to baseball, the 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 Cubs tend to tend to be more analytics driven. The Houston Rockets um, tend to be more analytics driven. I'm not sure that uh, that there's any one right way per se. And even as, a, as an analytics guy per se, um, I should be sitting here pitching about how um, how analytics are, are the, the way to go. But I'm not sure that I necessarily believe that. I think that analytics in general are, are bits of information to help support your theories and to, to help make you more informed uh, along, along the decision-making process. So um, pioneers is, is a little bit difficult just because there's so many different roads that people can take along, along those ways. I think that when Brad Stevens was at Butler, I think he may have hired the first um, true 
true analytics staff member that uh, that then he brought with him to to the Celtics certainly. Um, but the but everybody's kind of got their own different way to do it, and I'm not sure that we're all that close to an accepted practice per se. Um, but uh, but just like uh, just like a video room 20 years ago maybe had a lot of a lot of variance. That's kind of where we're at with analytics now, and to, I'm I'm sure that we'll kind of trend to to more accepted practices here down the road. Great. And uh, once again, if you're just joining us, welcome into the NABC Academy webinar. Kevin Palga from Michigan State and KPI Sports is our guest. If you have questions for Kevin at any point on today's webinar, uh, please feel free to tweet at us at NABC1927 or use the hashtag NABC Academy. And uh, now, Kevin, before we get into some of your advice and, and experience and how you've used scene analytics used, uh, what are some of the maybe common misperceptions, um, you know, some of the, the, you know, maybe myths about analytics that might prevent a coach from using them? Yeah, I, I think that, that in general, coaches need to understand or, or just fans, coaches, players all, all together kind of need to understand what it is that they're looking at. And, and in, terms of, in terms of these misperceptions, like, like let's, take, let's take rebound margin, for, for instance. There, there's all sorts of things that go into to what type of rebound is, is possible. So is there, is there a better way than, rather than me just saying that, that I've out-rebounded you by, by 10 rebounds, hey, what was my field goal percent, percentage versus your field goal percentage? On, on average, you tend to, to rebound about 30%. That's the national average. It's about 30% of, of your missed shots come back as offensive rebounds. And about 70% are defensive rebounds. So if so if you shoot the ball really well on a given night, that's going to affect your rebound margin. If your if your defensive field goal percentage is, is good or bad, that's gonna it's gonna affect it. And and kind of taking that that one step um, deeper dive uh, along the lines. Again, there's there's rebound margin. There's there's these different things um, that uh, that you really need to know where where the data is coming from. The the, the second part of that is. Um, is hey, what what is a subjective piece of data versus an objective piece of data? Um, something as simple as an assist, which is intended to to quantify how um, how somebody's creating a shot for for their teammates. Well, you may have a little bit more of a liberal score in your building than than you do in another building. There's there's still some subjectivity there, even. Um, here at Michigan State, our coaching staff does a lot relative to hustle stats in terms of tracking offensive rebounding attempts, tracking shot shot contests, those those type of uh, those type of events that happen over the course of a basketball game. And there's subjectivity that happens if you get if you get one coach grading it one game and another coach grading in a second game. And I know that that uh, that here our our staff tries to to maintain consistency from from game to game. Um, but there's there's a level of importance in understanding the variables. Where's the data coming from? Who's quantifying who's quantifying that data? Um, and if you're missing those those other bits of information, um, it may skew skew your perceptions uh, maybe in an incorrect way. You touched a little bit there on some of the ways at Michigan State uh, that you guys have implemented capturing data. What are some of the other ways that, that Michigan State has taken advantage of analytics? And, and uh, if not at Michigan State, what are some other creative ways you've seen other programs making use of data? Yeah, there's, you know, there, there's a lot of crossover between, between analytics work and, and scouting work, really. Um, as you're trying to not only do an opponent scout, but also a, also a self-scout, you're trying to you're trying to find tendencies, and um, where where I think analytics have, have helped it is as the advent of 
of services like Synergy have, have come into play where, where they're logging every offensive possession of a, of a given team, and they're able to tell you that, hey, this, this particular player may go, may go left 80% of the time and right 20% of the time. Um, we as video coordinators back in the mid-2000s, we were calculating that data, but that data was, was difficult to obtain because you had to go through all, the, all these games. And if you just went through one game, it wasn't a large enough sample size to really quantify what it was you were trying to say. So um, as you're building a, a scouting report and, and you want to show five clips of somebody posting up and, and you want to um, accurately emphasize that he goes over his left shoulder, um, 80% of the time, you probably want four clips of him going over his left shoulder and one clip going over his, over his right shoulder. So there's a lot of crossover on the, on the scouting side. Um, certainly our, our staff here at Michigan State um, deals a lot in the video room, um, deals a lot with our, with our coaching staff, and, to, and we've got a, a um, group of student managers that's, uh, that's very well versed to, to varying degrees in terms of assisting in, in, in obtaining that data. So, so much of it uh, on the analytical side really needs to happen before the game. If you're trying to, to quantify what those scouting reports are during the game, um, even risking some recency bias if somebody beats you over, over their right shoulder twice in a row and all of a sudden you want to perceive that player to be a right shoulder guy, um, a lot of that work happens before the game really. Great. We've got a couple of questions coming in on Twitter. Uh, the first is, uh, this is a good question. Are most coaches more unaware of analytics, more unconvinced of analytics, or more intimidated of <laughs> analytics? I, I think that it's all the three, be, be honest with you. And I think that it really does vary, vary by the coach. I think that for the most part, coaches are growing more aware of the analytical side. Um, there's, a, there's a few different uh, Division One schools that are, that are starting to dive into that uh, into that space in a form in a more formal way, um, but you've already seen many NBA teams um, employ a full analytics department. Whether it comes uh, to scouting for the NBA draft, whether it's um, doing uh, prep work for an upcoming game, um, they're already kind of digging into that uh, into that space in many ways. So um, I think that 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 part of it. Uh, um, certainly matters from an awareness standpoint. Um, in terms of whether or not coaches are convinced of analytics or not, um, I, I, think that that, uh, I think that that's just going to take time and, and some people are going to be more set in their ways. I mean, I, hey, there's, there's some franchises and, and some universities and, and even some high schools that'll, that'll swear by it and their, and their coach will go through and, um, and be tracking the, the high school game when they, when they get home late on a Friday night to, to kind of go through that. And, and then there's other folks that, that want to go by feel. They want to go by, by the emotion. They want to go, hey, is somebody's head in the game tonight? Is somebody um, – it, it, are, there, are there some ancillary things that, that you can't measure? Hey, is somebody's uh, high school teammate on the other team? Is there um, something going on in, uh, in a class? Is there – what what are these other factors that that come into play that that can't measure that can't be measured by analytics and and the the coaching staff's going to be more aware of that than um, than any number can even come come close to producing so um, I would uh, I would tend to to fall somewhere in the middle I would want to if I were a coach which thank goodness um, for the coaching profession I'm not. Um, but, uh, but if I were, if I were in that space, I would want to have the information 
and I would want to use it in order to make an informed decision because you're still trying as a as as any analyzer, you're trying to identify the outliers along the way, um, and you're trying to maximize the outliers that are against you to tilt in your favor, and you're trying to minimize the outliers that are against you and tilt those in in your favor as well, and try to find those uh, find those advantages. Great. Another question that just came in on Twitter. Again, you can send in your questions at NABC1927 or using the hashtag NABC Academy. Uh, here's another question that, that you may explain what he's talking about a little bit for us here, Kevin. Mm -hmm. But uh, beyond the four factors, what are mm -hmm. some of the categories which your staff valued at Michigan State? And maybe yeah. start by explaining what the four factors are. Yeah, and, 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 and our folks here at, uh, at Michigan State, uh, again, um, you're you're dealing with a you're dealing with a space that uh, um, Coach Izzo likes to go by feel, um, but uh, but in terms of what the what the four factors are, um, those uh, those four factors are shooting turnovers, um, rebounding, and then uh, and then the fourth one is free throws. And uh, um, what what you're trying to what you're trying to quantify is uh, is how successful you are in in each of those spaces. Um, and, uh, and, and, kind of, kind of be tracking that information as, as you're going again, um, with coaches of being more of a, a field guy, um, we're, we're not dealing in that space at, uh, at MSU as much. Um, but, uh, but the four factors are something that Dean Oliver, um, kind of pioneered several years ago. And, uh, uh, it's, it's something that, uh, that's been widely accepted, um, uh, around the the basketball world, so it, so in terms of Michigan State, um, I'm not uh, I'm not sure that we've dealt with the four factors as much. Um, we're we're more about uh, back at least in 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 my time dealing more with the basketball program on a day to day basis. Um, we're more about trying to find trend lines, more trying to trying to whether it's cheating plays, whether it's cheating which direction somebody's going to to go trying to find those trends um, rather than than an overall overall stats it, uh, stat sheet per se because for for coaches oh he'd rather be handed a box score after a game um, and may, and you might get time to, to throw one or two data points into the conversation um, but but he's one even even as you're preparing to to play a big 10 team on Saturday on on Wednesday night after the after the previous game he's getting a print printed out packet of the of the 25 box scores that the team has played to date so um, that's kind of his his thing and I'm sure that that many coaches have have different ways that they go about uh, kind of getting their data coaches would rather have raw data that he can kind of sift through rather than have somebody tell tell him what they think the data says we've talked a lot so far about using analytics from a, a team stats and performance and then a, a uniquely individual performance one of the questions that we just got on twitter uh, brings us to the topic of, uh, of of roster management and of lineups and the question that we we get from uh, jack here is have you found lineup efficiencies to be one of the most properly uh, proper uses of analytics uh, so so yeah if you could just just share yeah. a little bit on how uh, you know roster management and and creating lineups and different mix of players can be informed by analytics I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think that, that lineup analytics, if, if not used properly, can be really misleading. Um, rather than looking at combinations of five where, where, frankly, somebody could just kind of sneak into the right or wrong combination, um, 
I'd rather, I'd rather take a deeper dive into, Hey, if we've got, um, if we've got a bigger lineup that, that we play part of the game or, or a smaller lineup that we play part of the game, I want to look at how those two lineups compare. Or when, when we take two, our, our two point guards and we play them together and we move somebody off the ball or, or, um, as, as that three and a half position kind of comes into play of, are you playing four guards? You playing two bigs and, and kind of where that, that uh, we, we kind of call it the three and a half where somebody playing the three or playing the four per se. Um, where does that, where does that kind of, kind of fall? So I'd rather look at two, two, uh, two person lineup combinations, three person lineup combinations, um, than five person lineup combinations per se. Um, I think that you're going to, that you're going to find better information there, um, as to what those trends are. But, but the other part of this is not only looking at the sample size of that combination, but who is that combination going up against? If that combination is going up against your opponent's first group or your opponent's second group, those can be two, two different bits of, of data interpretation. So you can, you can really end up taking a deep dive um, that, could, uh, that could start going so deep you're not quite sure what you're looking at. Um, but again, that, that kind of leads to that, to that perspective of um, just looking simply at a, at a box score and, and interpreting that somebody's plus 17 um, I, I think that there's a deeper dive to have than just digging in uh, on that part of the story. We've talked a lot about uh, mining data from uh, from it, mining in-game data. How about mm -hmm. practice? How how at Michigan State or at other programs can you capture data from what your players are doing in practice and then utilize that for game planning? Yeah, so there's there's a couple different ways. Um, some of it is as simple um, if you've got the um, staffing capabilities if you've got uh, enough student managers um, where you're where you're simply tracking hey this is this is how many free throws um, each player made during today's practice we shot 50 free throws at three different times you got 150 reps and and here's the percentage that's that somebody shot I and mean, it can be as simple as that um, you can also track field goals um, really, really um, anything that you would track in a game you can track in a practice and um, it's, it's funny. One of the first things that I did at Michigan state was I was in charge of, of compiling practice stats as a, as a freshman manager way back, uh, um, several years ago and kind of, kind of built something in Excel where, where we would total up each days and then we would, uh, disseminate the, the information on a daily basis, um, a weekly basis and a full season basis just to kind of, kind of show those, show those trend lines. So if you've got enough staffing, um, there's, there's mechanisms to, to do that. There's also some, some ways to do it, uh, off of practice film. Um, if you're talking about maybe just, just live action, um, there's, there's some technology, um, for those that, uh, that, that have some money to, to be able to instill some, some video cameras mounted in your, in your practice gym or in your arena. Um, and some, some folks have, have kind of gone down, down that road. But, um, again, there's, there's all sorts of data that you can grab from, from practice data to, to game data. Um, you still have to be able to have time to, to total it up and still time to sift through it. It's, it's great to have all this data, um, but at some point you lose, uh, you lose its effectiveness just by, by a lack of efficiency. Once again, for those just tuning in, welcome to the NABC Academy webinar where 
Glad to be joined today by Michigan State Assistant Athletic Director and the founder of KPI Sports, Kevin Palga. A reminder, you can send in your questions to us anytime on Twitter using the hashtag NABC Academy or tweeting at us directly at NABC 1927. Uh, Kevin, you, you, you made reference there to, uh, gets right to my next question. You use the term uh, for those that have some money. Um, mm -hmm. Well, if I'm a program that doesn't have a Big Ten national champion budget that Michigan State has, if I'm a D2 coach, a D3 coach, a high school coach, how can I use analytics the way that a big school like Michigan State does? You can, you can, and and I don't mean to be to be simple about it, but um, what what I've found is that regardless the level, there is a um, there is a large level of interest in terms of people wanting to get involved in, in involved in your program, and there are I, I know that we're that we have a lot of benefits here at, here at Michigan State, but. Um, Really, really, analytics comes down to manpower. Um, how much manpower can you get? Can I, can I add an extra student manager? Um, can I talk about the? Can I can I can I talk to my mathematics department um, on on a given campus? I mean, we've we've done a little bit a little bit of work here with the uh, with our computer science department, um, kind of going down that road a little bit and, and finding in in that space as to, hey, there's. There's this student that's that's really into basketball. That's a, that's a math major, or whether it's a senior capstone project, or or an internship, or um, things along those lines. There's be, because um, we have the benefit of being involved in, in an academic institution. Um, we talk about the mix of academic and academics and athletics all the time. Um, this is a perfect opportunity to to marry the two. You may find that that one of the student athletes on your team has a has an interest in. Um, in the analytical side, so there's there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of interest. Just just judging by my by my inbox on a on, on a given day or week, um, I've I've consistently got a got a few people that are that are reaching out. Hey, um, would love to would love to kind of talk analytics. Would love to talk um, sports math. Would love to to kind of talk along along these lines. So um, I think that it's incumbent upon coaches and and staffs to. To be proactive, re, find, find the resources on on your campus, um, and you may be able to help that person as much as that person's able to help you. So, if you're a coach who is seeking out some managers or mm -hmm. or student interns or people from even a math department on campus, mm -hmm. what are some of the the skill sets that you look for specifically in them? You know, what what does somebody in that position need to have to help out your basketball program? Microsoft Excel. <laughs> Um, be the, the idea of understanding basics of the game, um, is obviously important, but then also the idea of being able to, to take that information and, and in a very efficient manner, um, translate that, uh, that data, whether it's tallies on a, on a sheet of paper or, or a box score that you're, that you're pulling off of, uh, of an opponent's website, um, being able to take that data. And um, and put it into a manageable form is is important. Um, it doesn't have to be terribly involved on on the Excel side. You don't need to to get into writing programs within the software or, or anything along those lines. But uh, but I think that you can find that uh, that there's some some pretty uh, some pretty basic skill sets that uh, that for the for the most part uh, um, is pretty fundamental on a, on a university campus as computer science requirements kind of kind of move to the forefront and, and basic Microsoft Excel even at the at the high school level becomes 
becomes important. So it's a little bit more complicated than, than grabbing a calculator and, uh, and, and dividing out field goal percentage per se. Um, but some of it's going to depend on, on what, uh, what it is that you want out of the, out of the data too. How in-depth do you want to get? Um, but you got to start somewhere. Get, get somebody on your, on your campus to, to jump in. And, and I think that you could be surprised as to not only how much you can help each other, but, uh, but where, where an analytics uh, side of things could go. That's great. Uh, the questions keep coming in on Twitter. Once again, if you have them, please send them to us at NABC1927 or use the hashtag uh, NABC Academy. A uh, really good question from a coach that just came in here. Um, uh, he says, have we reached the point of peak analytics? He says, synergy <laughs> gives us so much information. Uh, when does it plateau? Um, I think that I can make an argument that it already has. Um, and there is such a thing as, as information overload. Um, I mean, a, again, there's only so much that can happen um, if you've got two, three, four days to, to prepare for a game um, and you're preparing yourself, you're preparing your um, your team, there's, there's really only so, so much time that's, that's going into this. And, and, and remember this too, that, that over the course of a basketball game, basketball is fast. Um, the average, the average shot in division one men's basketball takes place every 17 seconds. The average length of a possession, it's about 17 seconds. So you don't have time in, in, in that 17 second span to really dig in on the analytical side of, gosh, I think that I should, I should do this for a, for this different look for, for this, because this three man lineup is the most optimized against this combination that this opponent is, has just put in. Like you don't, you don't have that time. So you're, you're digging in. I don't, and I don't want to say that you're, that you're trying to take executive level information and, um, and utilizing it in, in that way. Um, but at some point we've got to, we've got to keep this simplified that the team that scores more wins the team that puts the basket, the, the ball in the basket, more wins, um, and the players are playing the game. If the player doesn't understand that that post player I mentioned earlier is going left shoulder eighty percent of the time, right shoulder twenty percent of the time, it doesn't matter if if he's guarding the wrong shoulder and and a guy scores six eight consecutive points because the guy isn't following the scouting report, then then great, you you have analytics, but it but it didn't help you. So take it, it's more about taking the information that you have, translating it into a couple bullet points for your players to be able to interpret, and then letting your players play the game. So you're, um, you're getting that information, and, and really why you're, why you're trying to get that information in, in this setting is, um, I bring up the example of recency bias, where, where if somebody gives up an offensive rebound on two consecutive possessions, all of a sudden you'll you'll in your mind start to think that that player is playing bad or if that player misses three consecutive shots even though they might have been five for their first eight if they miss three consecutive shots um, all of a sudden your your mind because our recency bias and, and kind of how our brains are all programmed um, you remember kind of it's kind of a what have you done for me lately um, analytics kind of helps you see a bigger picture and and helps you kind of kind of see um, what's happening beyond just a, just a single possession or, or even a single game. So looking ahead to the future um, mm -hmm. in terms of how coaches use analytics in their programs, what are some of the, the trends and the uses of data and analytics that you expect to see growing and maybe appear for the first time uh, here in the coming years? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'd, I'm interested to see um, if down the road we may see a little bit more technology on, the, on, on a given bench. 
and I know that there's um, that there's some rules that are that are preventing some of that now. But um, there there may be some some better ways to to kind of obtain the information and, and pass the information along. Where where rather than um, rather than some pen and paper models or, or printing out a box score, you may you may have a little bit more information. And there's and there's a little bit of that going on um, within the framework or the rules now. Um, but uh, but that's certainly certainly one way. Could could we could we be sitting in a world where where you've got a, a screen on your bench that's giving you real time points per possession data and and offensive rebounding percentages and and turnover rates that are that you're looking at in game as a as a coach and and let's not kid ourselves some of that the, the coaches are getting that information they're they're just getting it to whether whether somebody's dividing it out or or whether they're just kind of taking a taking a quick look oh we have eight turnovers they have five turnovers we're turning over the ball over more um there's 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 some of that so i think that it's more about how we're obtaining the data um than anything else i think that we're um interpreting the data that we have at a, at a relatively high level um but that but that data acquisition um will likely improve um the the other part of it uh, and and there's um, the, the NBA has, has kind of gone, gone down this road relative to player tracking, relative to, to tracking, hey, the, this is how many dribbles so-and-so has taken in a given possession, or this is how many passes lead to a, to a given shot, or, or some, of that, some of that player tracking. Um, I'm not sure that we fully know what that means at this point. Um, hey, if, if you take 2.7 dribbles versus 1.7 dribble use your field goal percentage increases and I, don't, and I don't even know whether that's the case or not um, but I think that we're going to to see the science behind the game um, become a little bit more advanced um, but let's not kid ourselves again I I, I want to emphasize if your player can't shoot you don't need analytics to to tell you that and if you're if your six two guy is is caught on the on the block against a six ten post guy. The six ten post guy has has the advantage. You don't need analytics to tell you that, and and that's kind of where I, um, where I, I think that it's important that we that we caution that that hey, it's not a numbers game. It's not a game where every decision that you make is strictly hey, this is what the numbers tell me. In in baseball, um, yeah, you bring you bring a left handed pitcher in more often than not. Um, out of your bullpen when two straight left-handed hitters are, are coming up, coming up. Um, but, but that's not, that's not an absolute, you're trying to find those nuances um, kind of along the way um, from a data standpoint, the team that's expected to win a game wins about 78% of the time um, over the course of the year. So you're trying to find that, that those one in five outliers and make sure that you're turning more losses into wins than wins into losses really. All right, great, Kevin. I think that's a, a good place for us to end. Um, thank you so much for joining us on today's NABC Academy webinar. We, we really learned a lot, Kevin, from your background in the coaching space, in the, uh, the operations space, and now what you do with analytics as well. And really look forward to following your continued work there at Michigan State and with the KPI. Great. Thanks so much for the time. All right. Kevin, thanks again. And if you join us in progress on today's webinar, don't worry, we will have this archived immediately at nabc.com and on the NABC's YouTube page. And again, thanks to Kevin and thanks to all of our viewers who tuned in today. We'll see you next time on the NABC Academy webinar.